Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. for the second straight year is going to knock off a higher-seeded opponent in the first round of the Big Ten Tournament. Last year, Ohio State. This year, Minnesota. As the 14th seed provides the first upset at Madison Square Garden. 65-54. Rutgers advancing in the Big Ten Tournament. All right, our Gophers. Uh, now, I missed the start of it. What was it? Nine minutes without a field goal? Nearly ten, yeah, that they did not Nearly have a field goal. Nearly ten minutes to start the game without Oof. a field goal, and yet they were still in the game, right? Yes. Because Rutgers isn't, wasn't much better? Well, so, the thing that the Gophers had is they, they were getting to the line, and Rutgers was not. But, yeah, okay. that, that's the only reason so why the Gophers were in the game. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, uh, and... Uh, could you hear the basketball dribbling when the game was going on yeah. uh, over the crowd and the squeak of tennis shoes? You know, and, uh, and I know you said you missed the beginning of the game. You'd, I almost texted you because the first half of that game last night was very Buffalo Bills, Jacksonville Jaguars playoff game. It was disgusting that brand of basketball <laughs> being played. It was awful. God, it was oh. awful. <laughs> well, uh, 14 out of 16 they lose after Ugh. the uh, Reggie Lynch suspension, right? Uh, it started with the Reggie Lynch suspension. What? Who did they beat? Iowa. They beat Iowa here. Mm-hmm. At, at and Blades then they Green. won at Penn State. At Oh, that's right. They had uh, online. And that when they won at Penn State, the, you kind of thought that they could hang in there, right? And mm-hmm. then McBrayer got hurt, too, and that that pretty well take care of that. And coffee was out, but... Uh, 14 out of 16, that's an impressive run of ineptitude, isn't it? And even by losing, I know losing coffee and you lost uh, you lost Curry before the season started in the Lynch uh, situation, but Patino deserves some heat. I'm sorry. I know I'm not as yeah. big a supporter, but this is this this turned into a disaster. This was worse than the 8-23 and season, in my opinion. It really was, because this team had expectations, unlike the 8-23 and 23 team. Well, I, I think more than anything, it just showed, me and Corzo talked about this yesterday, it just showed Patino has not done a good enough job over the last couple of years of, like, recruiting depth. I mean, he's got, he's got like, his core guys for this group with, you know, McBrayer and, and Coffey and Murphy, you know, going forward, but... The depth is just hasn't been there, and and Pat, you mentioned it a couple of times. I mean, Jiju and and Kanate, those two guys, they've 
you you should have been getting something out of them. They've been in the program for a couple of years now, and you're getting nothing out of them. I mean, it's yeah. two basically wasted roster spots. Yeah, four years, and and they recruited the hurt kid because they hoped to get his brother. That's why they took him. He's not a Big Ten player, and uh, uh, and I mean, even then, once Curry gets hurt, but even then, there's only like eight guys that you put on the floor, right? Uh, who, who are who are the other four guys on the bench? I don't even know who's there. I guess Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald can sometimes spell a guy. He's mm-hmm. he can he, and he can hit an outside but, shot. But other uh, than his, that, you uh, got nothing. You know, he uh, I don't know if he could play before he got hurt, but he obviously never came back from his knee injury. But uh, wow. Uh, so uh, Rick is. Uh, but here's the good news. He's got a higher winning percentage in the Big Ten tournament than he does in the regular season. Well, that's he's, good. <laughs> he's now three and five in the uh, tournament. He's uh, thirty-one and fifty-nine in the regular season. Boy, you got to have a couple, three pretty good years to get back to five hundred, don't you? When you're twenty-eight yeah. games under five hundred in the Big Ten, you basically need to win the conference like three years in a row. Meanwhile, Wisconsin, <laughs> those feisty, plucky Badgers who uh, won a couple of games late in the season, uh, beat Maryland today in the tournament. And uh, I guess they beat out the Gophers for tenth, right? So they ended up, uh, so they they ended up uh, not having to play the first day, Wisconsin. And then uh, I don't know, Iowa and Michigan were in overtime. I don't know who won, but uh, Iowa was uh, Iowa was trying to. I'm on it too. Uh, Iowa <laughs> ended up behind the Gophers, right? I yeah. ended up. Yes, they were the twelve three and fifteen, and the Gophers. Uh, uh, four and fourteen, but uh, now we're trying to make a case that they're going to be pretty good next year. Uh, so, assuming uh, Coffee and Curry are back, uh, I still think Washington today was talking about how much he learned. I don't think he'll be back. I think he'll transfer, uh, and Murphy will probably be back. I guess he won't. Uh, he won't. Uh, well, he won't be an NBA guy. So Michigan did beat Iowa in overtime. Oh, they today, did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but then you got a bunch of freshmen, Minnesota kids, right? I mean, you you might not have much depth next year either. But right? are you going to be able to bring in a couple of junior college kids to help <sighs> supplement your roster because you're going to be losing Jeju and Kanate and maybe some others? Uh, oh, you yeah, you got some. Well, they they have filled they had filled up the roster, but I I think a couple of these guys will be gone, don't you? Well, I hope so because this roster is not very good outside of the couple guys that you mentioned. I mean, Jordan Murphy's a Big Ten player, obviously he's a, he's the, he's their best player. But you've got it. You've you've got a, the thing I hate and what frustrates me about watching Richard Pitino's team is they have no flow offensively. Nothing. It's all isolation and it's all one guy trying to create his own shot. And you cannot win that way in college basketball. You just can't. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the tall kid that he took for his dad, right? Stockman, is it? Stockman, seven-foot guy that uh, he he had been recruited at Louisville, and then he wasn't going to play at Louisville, so we, we took him as a transfer, and he's, he was a transfer all this year. A big guy, I suppose they were thinking they needed a, a big guy with, uh, I don't know why, with Kanate leaving, uh, and, but, uh, and Reggie Lynch, uh, leaving at the time, but uh, that'll be interesting. He he was so confident in his uh, future here, uh, Richard, that he basically was doing his dad a favor by taking one of his guys that was on scholarship. And and I, I have no idea. The the kid was supposedly a four star 
Uh, he's a European and uh, was playing in a prep school over here. But so uh, did the kid we, leave? Louisville didn't want to keep him. Uh, he must I not have got the right shoe deal. Is that why he's coming to the U? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. Go ahead. If he gets Anthony Simons, a they're going to have the best guard they've had since Bobby Jackson, and B. They're going to have the NCAA and the All FBI over here investigating because he was a Louisville recruit, and then he backed off when uh, Patino got fired. Speaking so. of that, did you guys see the Sean Miller quotes from today? He's innocent, right? <laughs> he's just I love, I love the. He's just going to die on the hill, man. He is not going down yeah, without a fight. Yeah, but there's some stories out there that ESPN that Schlabeck just. This is secondhand that they never really that they haven't heard it. They never heard it. They didn't. Uh, they they did not the, they did not get a leak of the tape they they did they they heard they heard that this was this had happened but not from a first hand source so the ESPN whoever wrote the article for ESPN is claiming this no or no what, what, the I, other I, side the Yahoo boys are claiming that uh, and other people are claiming that uh, ESPN it may be in a desperate act. Uh, because uh, they were getting scooped by Yahoo, uh, came with this on some secondhand information. So oh boy, I don't know. But again, I'm not gonna go out and be a big defender of Sean Miller's. I have no idea if it's true or not. But uh, he came out all blunt, guns blazing. Now the Arizona Board of Regents was supposed to meet today and decide his fate. Right? I thought but they said he is going to coach their next game. I thought I re- okay. I thought I read well, that. Somewhere. They're going to back him, huh? Well, and I think partly because they would owe him more money if they terminated him with cause as opposed to if they terminated him without. There was a story about that um, recently too. I'll I'll see if I can find it, but. Basically that they didn't want to pay the buyout right now. All right, Mr. Collar in Indianapolis. Zimmy, Zim was a hell of a lot more interesting today than Spielman was yesterday, that's for sure. Uh, We will uh, talk to uh, Matt Collar about uh, Zim's controversial remarks today. Matthew Collar covers the Vikings and other matters for 1500ESPN.com. He is in Indianapolis. And Coach Zim, I don't think he's recovered from the humiliation in Philadelphia. He was still a little feisty today, it seemed, uh, Matthew. Uh, Yeah, especially when it came to talking about the uh, team's decision to keep their quarterback coach, Kevin Stefanski, that uh, they could have let him go and interview for the open uh, offensive coordinator job with the New York Giants, but instead blocked him from doing that. And uh, Mike Zimmer went on a mini rant about loyalty and how he didn't fire Stefanski, even though their offense was bad when he got here and kind of went off a little bit. But, uh, you know, I I thought he was incredibly honest, and I've always uh, found it, at least in the last two years here, that coming to the Combine to talk to him is probably the best Mike Zimmer version you're, you're ever going to get because uh, he, he was a little punchy, but uh, about as honest as he's ever going to be, and that's what he was today. And uh, I did like the thing about loyalty and how he, he didn't, uh, from what I could tell, he didn't directly mention Sysfanski, but he said he stuck with the with his offensive coaches well, you you ran off Norv and fired his kid, so you know when they had the bad offenses. So I I wouldn't say it was one hundred percent loyalty that we saw there. 
Uh, no, but uh, probably he also thinks Kevin Spansky's a good coach. I mean, that, yeah. that seems to be if you can uh, go through a couple of regimes and stay on and also coach multiple positions and be in a spot where Pat Schirmer wants to potentially hire you to be the offensive coordinator. I mean, I'm starting to get the idea that this guy probably knows what he's doing. And the times that uh, I've had a chance to talk with Kevin Stefanski, it's hard not to walk away impressed that the guy really knows his stuff. And I think eventually uh, that he will be an offensive coordinator somewhere, but with such a crucial season coming up and this roster is ready to compete and be a playoff team again, I get why the Vikings would want to keep him on their staff as opposed to making a change there. And then plus, they've got a decision that involves three quarterbacks that Kevin Stefanski has worked quite a bit with, and I think that you would want his voice in that room as well. And uh, the one thing that I would say, though, is uh, you you uh, you show how much you value Stefanski. And, oh, by the way, we're bringing in another offensive guru from Oakland, making him third wheel, basically. Yeah, I read your uh, blog post about how awkward the quarterback room could potentially be. And, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I, I think at the same time, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you signed a contract to be the quarterback coach, and that's what you're going to do no matter uh, who the offensive coordinator is. Uh, I think it, it did come as a little bit of a surprise to some that Stefanski wasn't named the offensive coordinator because they uh, are really high on where he stands. But uh, from what it sounded like with Mike Zimmer, that the recommendations came very high with John Filippo, and then it was basically all he had to do was nail the interview, and that was going to be it, and uh, then he did that, and now he's the offensive coordinator, and he's going to come in and, and use a lot of the same things from what it sounds like from Zimmer and Spielman, use a lot of the same concepts in the West Coast offense that succeeded under Pat Shermer, so I think we're going to see a lot of similarities no matter who the quarterback is. Uh, Todd Downing came in though also, and that's uh, I wonder. I, I'm I can't quite figure out what he's doing there, but uh, if you if you value Stefanski that much, but anyway, uh, so the the other interesting thing is uh, he basically campaigned not to give Kirk Cousins twenty five million dollars the way it sounded. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't know how to read into that because I, I feel like Mike Zimmer is just such a blunt football guy that it's hard to say that. He's trying to play games with Kirk Cousins' camp. I feel like that's something that Rick Spielman might do, that he might try to send certain messages out or not. But with Zimmer, I think he was straightforward, and I believe him when he tells us that he said to Rick Spielman, I don't want to rip apart this team just to pay one guy a bunch of money. And I think that there's a point to be made there now. I mean, I analyzed the cap and what it would look like in 2019 and beyond with needing to sign some of these guys like Kendricks and Barr and, and Diggs, uh, and, and I think that they can fit Kirk Cousins in there, but the thing that they wouldn't be able to do in that case is sign people like Linval Joseph or when they had Captain Munerlin here or bringing back Terrence Newman. That's where it really squeezes you. I think they'd be able to keep the star players, but where they would have to fill out the roster, they would pretty much have to rely on guys that they drafted to be the guys who are filling out the roster and on rookie contracts rather than being able to go out and sign guys. So the question you have to answer is, would you rather take a risk with Teddy or Sam or hope that Case is really this good and then also sign Sheldon Richardson or Andrew Norwell, who's a guard from the Panthers? Would you rather do that or would you rather you know, go ahead and, and sign the quarterback that you know is going to be pretty good and put you in the conversation through the length of his contract? Is uh, do you think the Zimmer Bridgewater love affair still exists, or did that cool off a little bit? 
No, I think it does. I, I think that Mike Zimmer wanted uh, Teddy Bridgewater to be his quarterback forever and always. And when he, he talks about him still, he doesn't just say, well, you know, I mean, uh, I like Teddy. He doesn't say it like that. I mean, it's I love Teddy. And he <laughs> today at his, at his podium that he has the heart of a lion. So, I mean, I and I, he's always talked that way about Bridgewater. I think he believes it. I think he has always seen from day one. I, I actually went back and, and looked at this. At the draft, Mike Zimmer said the reason he loved Bridgewater so much at Louisville was that he won everywhere. He won in high school. He won in college right away and completely changed that program at Louisville. And then he came here and then uh, took the team to the playoffs in his second year. And I think that's the way that Zimmer has always looked at Bridgewater as a special quarterback who can win. And I, I think he still believes that, but he also recognizes that knee j- didn't just get hurt. That knee exploded into a zillion pieces, and it might not ever come back together again. And with him saying that uh, Teddy you know, is hard to evaluate in practice, I believe that too because people can't be falling at your legs and things like that in practice. So, I mean, I think he does love Teddy that much, but also recognizes that that has to be a part of the decision. Did the NFL management council basically tell the Vikings, eh, we're not going to fight this fight for you? Sorry, fellas. When it comes to the uh, tolling, you mean? uh, Tolling the contract. Yeah, we haven't gotten an official decision yet from the NFL, but my guess is that uh, the Vikings just looking over the details of the CBA don't feel like they have much of a chance or that they've uh, maybe heard unofficially that they don't have much of a chance. I mean, the thing is that Bridgewater was cleared and was ready to play before he came off the pup list, and uh, so it's not the amount of time that he was on the physically unable to perform list. It was whether he could actually play or not, and since he was cleared, then he would easily argue and win that he was, and especially with A.J. McCarron winning his grievance, I think they looked at it as we don't really have much of a chance there. Okay. Well, uh, of course, uh, the somehow the Vikings will try to make it look as if they were the generous ones in this uh, situation. So uh, uh, that's where, where are they? You know, you mentioned Bradford. I I can't imagine he's in the picture. I think that Mike Zimmer is really angry about what happened with Bradford's knee because he probably looked at this offense. It was tenth in scoring that with Bradford healthy, it could have been even better than that because uh, Bradford is just simply a more talented quarterback than Case Keenum is. And he talked about Bradford like with frustration, saying, like, this guy is a is a, an incredible thrower of the football and, and even a better athlete than anybody knows. And he talked about that. And, it just, and then he, he stopped himself and went back to, yeah, but he's got this degenerative thing with his knee. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it was like, uh, really, he was clearly frustrated that they can't have Sam Bradford but because it seemed like Bradford really grew on him over the time that he was there. And if you were there for, for camp last year, Sam Bradford looked amazing in camp last year. And then in week one, he brought it too. And so I think there's a little bit of Zimmer that probably says, what could have been if we had had that talented of a quarterback instead of trying to squeeze every ounce of blood out of the Case Keenum stone? Hey Matthew, as as the mar- as they march in the NFL coaches at the combine, where is Zimmer on the candor media on me- meter? Uh, I think he is elite. Put it that way. <laughs> he is uh, one of one of the and and you know that that's one of the things that makes it great is that even if he's mad at us and he wants to have a two minute press conference one day, or if he's willing to just let it all loose and, and when he talks, that I you know what I think he is? I think he's a terrible liar and so like <laughs> even when he tries 
when he tries to lie, we all know it. So then he tries to just tell the truth as, as best that he can, and then there ends up being probably more truth than he wants out there. And so for us, I mean, I, I think it, it generally worked out pretty well to have him as, as the head coach. And, and for him, um, maybe sometimes they're not always thrilled with everything he says, but it's also kind of refreshing in a way for a guy to say, you know what, I don't really want to pay a quarterback a zillion dollars. I want to keep my defense. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> because uh, that was uh, quite a change from what we heard from Rick Spielman the day before, which was nothing. Yes, uh, the uh, my friend Jerry Fraley at the Dallas Morning News was covering football for a while, and Z- when Zimmer was down there and when the Vikings first hired him, he told me that uh, uh, he was sitting at home one night about 8 o'clock when Zimmer was the defensive coordinator. He gets a call at home, and it's Zimmer saying, you know, I think I might have misled you a little bit on something you asked me about today, and here's the truth. And that, that is the first, that said, he said that was a first in his journalistic career. So you're right, he's a bad liar. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I'm not really that surprised by it. I think after 2016, he was mad at all of us for criticizing him. So he kind of uh, dialed it back a, a little bit and then maybe came up with a better strategy. But the thing with, with Zimmer is that when he's in the moment, that, like especially think about it, after the Washington game, Keenum throws those two terrible interceptions, and he, and he just let loose on it. He just said, those are just terrible interceptions. And I hate that he, he does this. And it was like, Okay, so Case Keenum basically drives you nuts, and you wish you could bench him. Okay. <laughs> and I like, and it, that, I, I still kind of feel that way that he that Keenum drove him nuts, and he always feared that he was going to throw those picks. But it was because Zimmer just let loose, even if he's trying to be more tight-lipped, he just can't do it. It's not part of who he is. Uh, thank you, Mather, Matthew, and keep cranking out the copy. All right, thank you. Okay, Matthew Collar, uh, you can read his Viking stuff from Indianapolis on 1500ESPN.com. We'll be right back. John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit accounttemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half company. Uh, the local squads they're playing this evening. The Timberwolves are on the road. They are staying out on the West Coast for a game against Portland this evening. And the Minnesota Wild, they're trying to stay hot. They're on the road in Arizona playing the Coyotes. Uh, speaking of the Ooh, Wild. That'll be a tough road environment in Arizona. Ooh, oh, man. yeah. yeah. There'll, be two th- there'll be twice as many uh, Minnesota Snowbirds there as Coyote fans. So. Uh, speaking of the Wild, center Eric Stahl has been named the NHL first star of the month. Month, not the month. week. That's month. right. For February, 13 yeah. games, 13 goals, and 8 assists. The Wild wow. went 9-2-2 two, and two in February. It's a pretty good I'm game. sure Fletcher is getting accolades from Judd Zulgan and the rest of his former critics. You right? know, Stahl's been terrific, mm-hmm. but it's like, can can we get to a point where the younger guys in the Wild are really like the ones kind of carrying the team? Like, why, do, why does it always have to be the guys in their 30s that are carrying this team? I don't know. Because <laughs> that's always signer, guys in their 30s. <laughs> yeah. They're on the cusp. Granlund and Niederreiter and Coyle, they're all on the cusp. On the Going cusp. on five years now. They've been years on that damn cusp been at cusp about three years. Although Dumba took over Riley's spot by making a couple of dumb turnovers in his own zone the other night against the Blues. That was nice of him. Dumba took over somebody else's spot 
for that, making a That's what move. he do. Yeah, that that's is what, what he do. do. <laughs> uh, twins played the Cardinals this afternoon. Uh, we didn't have a winner. Went nine innings. Everybody won. Three to three was the final. Everybody gets a trophy. Ray Adrianza, uh, he's had two good games in a row. Two hits yesterday with a couple RBIs. He had two hits today, one of them a home run. Two RBIs in that ball game. Uh, Alberto Mejia started for the Twins. He went three innings, gave up four hits, and gave up one. Not quite run. as fat as he was last year. Is he skinnier? Looks, looks, well, I wouldn't call him skinny, but have you, uh, he's not that tub of goo he was last year. Have you fellas seen any pictures of Kyle Schwarber? Oh, my God, he's see-through. He's, he's lean. Yes. What yeah. the hell did he do that for? Well. He's now going to be a crafty left fielder. He's going to catch him now. Okay. <laughs> Instead Good of luck. having him doink over. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't care. That guy can club. I'll take him oh, any size man. he comes. Yeah. Uh, the Twins, by the way, will play Toronto tomorrow. Uh, we right here at 1500 ESPN, uh, we've reached a multi-year agreement to carry Minnesota United soccer. Uh, the radio play-by-play will be handled by a name you may know, veteran sp- uh, sports broadcaster. Dan Terhar. Nice. Yes, happy to announce that we're going to have a uh, radio-specific uh, broadcast. Uh, mm. we, we had a lot of simulcasts the last year, and uh, this will be a radio guy telling you what's happening. That's correct. Also, weekly yes. shows uh, will be held here on the station uh, to have you uh, learn more about soccer and to listen. His professional career, Dan's, by the way, you uh, may know him. He's done wild uh, and all kinds of stuff. He's done all kinds of college stuff also. You know what he is? He's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first match, by the way, uh, is this Saturday in San Jose against the Earthquakes. The season sneaked up on us, Johnny. Hey, Pat, <laughs> what did you say? Are I you fa- say so. Are you familiar, familiar Excuse well, me, with the 2018 up. slogan for the Minnesota United FC? You know, we have all... Let's kick some arse. You know, it's like all eyes north for the wolves. It's uh, Oh, yeah, sure. Hashtag scarves up. Scarves <laughs> up. They're really trying to agitate me, aren't we? 100%. How about, I got one for them. Uh-oh. United, we run. Well, that one's been done before, though, yeah, right? It didn't work out too well. Oh, okay. <laughs> With the the con man, David Con, that oh, was yeah. his slogan. United, we run right into the lottery. <laughs> All right, so careful. <laughs> we'll we'll be back. Thank you, yeah. uh, Jerry Zagoda. Speaking of the Timberwolves, uh, will be with us. He's going to covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune. He is in Portland, back-to-backs here. Uh, Portland and then Utah, two teams chasing the uh, the uh, our boys in the Western Conference. Hey, Jerry, no rumors on Derrick Rose or Tony Allen or anybody to come in as a emergency ninth guy here with Butler out. So I, uh, nothing going on, huh? Well, I think they've been waiting for, to see what happens today. Today's the deadline for guys to get waived from other teams so that they can become eligible to be in the playoffs if they sign with another team. So I think that goes to late late this evening. Um, so I think maybe they're waiting on, oh, let's see, Joe Kim Noah maybe or someone else uh, out there. There's uh, potential for other guys. I think they maybe are waiting to see what happens there before they decide what moves to do elsewhere. So, um We'll know that hopefully by uh, the end of the day today, and then we'll see if they move. Tips keeps talking about how they're undermanned. Well, one way to be less undermanned is they had a guy. They've kept that roster spot open all season, and uh, they haven't used it yet. Plus, there's other things they could still do. Even if they wanted to add more than one guy, they could always wave uh, uh, Shabazz or Aaron Brooks. Uh, but uh, right now they have that one open roster spot, so we'll see if they use that and, uh, and how soon they do that. 
Corey Brewer went to uh, the Clippers, uh, waved him, and uh, he went to Oklahoma City, I saw. They uh, figuring that the Billy Donovan connection, uh, he, he, you know, he's not exactly the shooter you wanted, but he could have filled a spot with the Timberwolves. He would have given you energy and some defense. I mean, he's not a great individual defender, but he's long and he gets into lanes and uh, obviously wasn't part of the Lakers' future. So, yeah, they, they waved him and at least, you know, the, the – Thunder are one of those teams behind the Wolves, so we'll see if the Wolves don't do anything. We'll see what other moves teams behind them make and how that impacts this race. You know, Denver might not do anything, but they got Paul Millsap back the other night for the first time, maybe I think all season. So, uh, in essence, they added added a guy, and we'll see what other moves uh, other teams will make because this thing's going to get oh, it is already tight, but it's going to get pretty interesting the next uh, six weeks. Hey, Jerry. Uh... Are there what are any rumors flying on some other veterans who might be uh, floating around here in the next few hours? Well, I mean, you look you look to teams, and, and then, the, then the question is whether the Wolves have the kind of uh, clout and appeal to get those kind of guys. You know, and you look at teams that um, uh, aren't going anywhere, and you look and see if they're going to make a uh, uh, deal with one of their players. You know. Uh, not necessarily big names, but, you know, in Brooklyn, a guy like Quincy Acey was kind of an energy guy and a, a forward, or Jared Jack in New York, or T- uh, Tyson Chandler with um, with Phoenix. You know, uh, the Wolves' needs are uh, perimeter defense, shooter, and they could also use a guy who could protect the rim, too. So, um, you know, the, you look for those teams that, uh, uh, you know, I don't know where he ends up, but, you know, if Orlando did something with Aaron Aflalo, those kind of guys who aren't going anywhere with their teams this year that uh, – they might uh, strike their buyout so they can go with with a team that's going to have a chance to be in the playoffs. Hey, uh, so Wiggins, uh, with no Butler around, uh, does he uh, look more like the player we saw last year? Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know that's the um, <clears throat> he's, he's getting the ball, he's uh, it's going through him. I mean that was what his problem was. I don't think he was instantly lousy like people thought. I think he just had a hard time figuring out how to play next to to Jimmy when Jimmy started asserting himself and taking all the shots. And uh, uh, Andrew's not the most assertive guy himself, so he's trying to figure out how to play and alongside him, and that wasn't going really well. You figured they were going to figure it out at some point. But now you've got uh, you know, you've got other guys who can score, but as Teague said at Shooter on this morning, he said, you know, the two guys now are scorers are Cat and Wiggins, and they're going to run things through them. Hey, Jerry, what – I mean, what – with Butler's playing, and he's got the ball, and especially the last five minutes, what do they want Wiggins doing? What they, He's not like a hang-out-behind-the-line type of guy, so what is he supposed to be doing? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, and uh, if you look at uh, uh, the numbers, I mean, Jimmy hasn't been the most efficient guy down the stretch. And, uh, you know, as much as Wiggins, it's, it's Towns, too, who's not getting any shots. So um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how Towns, you know, he uh, – he was pretty efficient the other night. I think it was nine to ten from the field against Sacramento, and I think he had taken I don't know what maybe sixteen or eighteen shots the, the first game without Butler against Chicago. So we'll see if he gets more touches, which he probably should have. They were becoming very dependent and dominant on uh, uh, on Jimmy, and I, I don't think that was good for him. Hey, they actually they they played what a month or more uh, when Belly was hurt with eight guys. Uh, they, they played George's Hunt a little bit. Uh, I can't imagine they want to play. Now the schedule is a lot e- is softer as far as uh, physical strain now, not because not the teams you're playing, but the, the tightness of the schedule. But I can't imagine they want to uh, go too long just playing eight guys. 
Well, with Tibbs, you never know. I mean, <laughs> that's, kind of his, that's kind of his comfort zone. You wouldn't think so. You think they would add a guy, whether it is a Derrick Rose or um, I know a, 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 another guy would be a novel idea if they had someone who didn't have a Bulls connection, wouldn't it? Um, yes, right. If, if they did something like that, so um, I asked Tibbs uh, yesterday. You know, does, does he plan on changing that? He goes, you know, who knows? You never know. We'll see how, see how the games go and. And uh, he didn't say it, but, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of moves, uh, move or moves they make, if any. How is uh, Belly, uh, how do they feel about the way he's playing now that he's in the lineup? Uh, they, they like him. I mean, I know I know Tibbs likes him. Um, the question is going to be, you know, are they going to be able to sign him this summer and how much money? He's getting healthy. You know, he was out, as you mentioned, for that long stretch. And, um, you know, he gives him a guy who can stretch the floor. He, he gives him really length. You put him in that starting lineup and you move Wiggins to the two. That's a pretty big starting lineup, and uh, we'll see how it fares against better teams like the the Blazers and the Jazz. But it was just too much size for a team like the like the Kings the other night. So, um, uh, but uh, you know he's a, he's a, a playmaker and a, a guy. If he's healthy and comfortable, you know he can he can help you. But uh, coming back from that injury, he, he hadn't didn't, took him a while to find a shot, and uh, I think it was two for three the other night. So maybe he's finding it now. That's what. Uh... That's what would make me nervous with him, though, with his injury history. All of a sudden, you're playing him 35 minutes. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Hey, now you brought up Noah, and it's been brought up. Uh, uh, you think how much has he played, and is that a real possibility? He hasn't played a ton. I mean, if if he gets, um, if he does come to an agreement, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to because he's still owed 30 some million. I think yeah. that two years left of that ridiculous contract. So, um, you know, a guy like him, I could see, you know, the Wolves, uh, we mentioned before, having kind of their clout and appeal, even with Tibbs, you know, losing out to maybe, if, uh, here mentioned that, you know, Golden State's interested or, you know, teams above them that have a better chance of winning the title. So even if he gets waived, no guarantee he comes here, even with a connection. So some teams think he still has something left, you know, that uh, certainly not in the, the way that the Tibbs played him in the amount of minutes in Chicago, but that he could still help you and, uh, He's played some this year, but I, I haven't looked back, but uh, not a whole lot. If so if they're in a playoff push, I don't imagine uh, even if Patton's healthy and ready to go, that old Tibbs is going to have him come up and play twelve minutes a game, huh? I don't know how. Much, I don't think. I don't know what the trust factor is there with the guy, you know, who missed uh, camp and uh, missed summer league, and is a rookie coming in. I think he's much more comfortable trying to find the veteran guy. You know, they can sign, but uh, we'll see. At some point, you know, you think. He, he just kind of got lifted off of uh, like about a 25-minute restriction that he had been on. He played 32 uh, a few days ago, and we'll see if he gets a few more games in there. If they bring him up, at least take a look at him. Hey, what happened to George's hunt? Did he kind of play himself out of that 10 minutes a game? I don't know. I just think I think that goes against uh, against Tibbs' nature. I mean, he played him some, but uh, you know, when it comes down to this now, there's a lot of muss in him. You know, play, play eight guys and play to win. <laughs> I don't think it was any. I don't think it was anything. Um, Marcus did. I just think it's. Uh, you know, we're starting to get to. Even though Kip says they all count the same, we're starting to get some pretty important games here, and uh, he goes with guys he trusts. They gotta have. You know, they they'd be in pretty good shape here if they figure out a way to win one of the next two. Portland's hot, and Utah's been uh, was on a streak there, so they're playing two hot teams here. Yeah, I think it's going to be a trouble tonight. They they don't play well here uh, usually, and uh, Dame Lillard's pretty good, especially when it comes for comes for clutch time. And uh, they usually or they have played better in Utah, so we'll see if they uh, 
although that will be the, the back-to-back uh, game. And the last time they were there, they won, but there was no Rudy Gobert in that game. And he's healthy now. We'll see how the uh, the Ricky Teague, uh, basically the, the the swap of those two guys, uh, looks tomorrow night. Teague's uh, Teague's been playing well though lately. Yeah, he has. He's been. Uh, he, you know, he says, "Oh, it's it's." Uh, you know, nothing different. Just what the game gives gives him. But you know, you can tell he's more aggressive. And uh, you know, it's funny because I don't know. It was maybe ten days ago. You were saying, "Well, you know, I've never really played this way." You're talking about having to defer and get other guys more involved, implying that he's more of a scoring point guard. Now, you know, there, there's a, an opening for him to do that. He has done that. He's been pretty good the last week or two. All right, Jerry. Thanks for your time, sir. All right. Thank you, Patrick. All right, Jerry Zagoda covers the uh, Timberwolves for the Star Tribune. Ah, two uh, two games against teams right there with them. They got to uh, survive this uh, next seven or eight games, maybe win three out of eight, and uh, then they're in pretty good shape, I think. Because uh, the the one thing is, they've played more games than any team in the league, so they're not going to get beat up with too many of these back to backs. We'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick? It is one of the most haunting crimes in American history. The daring kidnapping and tragic death of Charles Lindbergh Jr., the precious son of America's then greatest hero. The kidnapping, the death, Americans witnessed something truly awful here. Uh, yes, it was on this day in 1932 that Charles Lindbergh III, actually, the 20-month-old son of uh, Charles Lindbergh, was kidnapped from the family's new uh, large home in Hopewell, New Jersey. Uh, he, uh, his wife, Anne, uh, went upstairs to see the baby and discovered a ransom, ransom note uh, demanding $50,000. Uh, the Lindberghs were inundated, inundated with offers of assistance and false clues. Uh, three, for three days, investigators found nothing. There was no further word from the kidnappers. Then a new letter showed up demanding 70000 The kidnappers eventually gave instructions for dropping off the money, and when it was delivered, the Lindberghs were told their baby was in a boat called Nellie off the coast of Massachusetts. The baby wasn't there and, in fact, was found uh, dead and buried on the property of the Lindbergh uh, mansion. Later on, they, uh, a couple of years later, found some bills from the uh, ransom, and uh, they were traced to Bruno Hopman, a German Im- immigrant and carpenter. And although he claimed uh, on and on that he was not involved in it, he ended up being convicted and uh, he was electrocuted in 1935. And for some reason, we still use the very impolitic, impolitic phrase, have you heard about the Lindbergh baby, when we are told some information that we already know. And I, I have that habit, and uh, I should stop that, because that is uh, not a humorous aside. Uh, anyway, this day in 1932. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.